millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Eurosport commentary box where James Whittam and me, Greg Haynes, we've just finished our first World Superbike commentary of the 2020 season. I was hoping we were going to get three different winners this weekend, and we have. It couldn't have been any better for the championship, could it? No, uh, the best start to any season that I can remember. Just brilliant, brilliant racing. We've got to be a little bit careful because uh, Phillip Island is, as a circuit, there's lots of things that make it different. It works tyres very differently to most places. That means that riders can't take off and, and go and lap as quick as they want. It means that they've got to stay together a little bit. And we've seen really good racing here before. But I really think it bodes well uh, for the championship. I, I think that not only um, has that played its part, the tyre the tire war at Phillip Island has made for close racing in the past. But this time, we've also got, I think, a little bit of parity in terms of machinery. The rules have stayed the same for the last couple of three seasons. That means that teams and manufacturers can work to those rules. Uh, the uh, performance parts are filtering down to the private teams from the factory teams, which they must do within the rules. And I just think we've just, we're coming up to a good time for Wilt Silverback. That, I, I, the feeling is palpable that that is the case in the paddock. Yeah, because the last few years we've had spit throttle bodies were outlawed and other sorts of technical changes, haven't we? Um, adjustable rev limits, three races per weekend. They spit the Saturday, Sunday races, the reverse grid came and then went after two years. So yeah, they, even on the sporting side, there's been a lot of changes. Exactly. And it, just, it just feels like they've been uh, clutching at straws as to what, how we can, you know, artificially make it exciting because the racing on track wasn't that exciting. Uh, but actually, they, for, for, in my opinion, the technical uh, staff, uh, including Scott Smart, who seems to be the main brains behind the way the tech regs go, uh, has done a really good job. And when they make a rule change, a major rule change in terms of the rules of what how you, you can run your bike, what you can run, and how you can tune your bike and what parts you can use, it's going to take a little bit of time for people to get on board with that and make a bike that, that is competitive. And I think it's starting to work. I didn't see a deal of difference in uh, top speeds. Um, Honda was really quick. Uh, that's one thing I did notice for a bike that's brand new at the beginning of a development uh, process. 
the Honda was quick, quickest through the speed traps, and we know the Ducati's quick, but nothing else was. The, the rest of the bikes weren't too far behind. It wasn't night and day. It was it was good. Yeah, Bautista, three hundred and twenty nine kilometers an hour. That maximum is two hundred and three and a half miles an hour. Unbelievable, isn't it? But one thing Bautista's been saying over the last few days, he's been joking about it, but he's saying it's almost as though we've got too much power. So what does he actually mean by that? Yeah, what he means is uh, the way the power comes in. If you look at the uh, spec of that new uh, Honda CBR1000RRR, um, yeah, that's the official name. Uh, basically, the Fireblade, the new Fireblade, is the, the way they've got the power is they've made the engine rev. The standard bike revs, which means the rev limit for the race bike is uh, correspondingly high, 15,600 RPM. That's high for a one-litre four-cylinder. Uh, the way they've done that is to make the, sh the stroke of the piston shorter and the width of the piston wider. So it's it's the boron stroke is unbelievably what's known in the trade as over-square. So what you've got is an 81 millimeter wide piston that only moves in the bore 48 millimeters or 48.7, I think, to be exact, uh, which means it revs and it revs, which means you can make power. The problem is that that power generally comes right at the top of the rev range in the last, the, most of the power comes within the last probably about 5,000 RPM, which, you know, four and a half, 5,000 RPM on a bike that uh, can rev to 15,500 RPM is um, a peaky bike. Uh, the, the problem for Honda is they haven't had a lot of dry track time and testing to get to grips with the way the power comes in and do anything about it with the electronics and, and setup. There's a feeling in the paddock, James, I don't know whether you agree, that first of all, why did Honda come back? And some people are saying because they've, in inverted commas, got MotoGP wrapped up now, which is arguable, actually, because Mark Marquez has it's, been injured, obviously, over the off-season. Yeah, he's saying he's struggling, yeah. And seems to be struggling. But let's just say that is the theory, that they've got MotoGP wrapped up. Now they can invest again in World Superbikes. That's one point. But do you then think the other manufacturers have almost felt they've had to up their game now? Because it just feels like BMW, Yamaha, Kawasaki was already basically a MotoGP team in the Superbike paddock. But it almost feels like everyone else has had to up their game because of what Honda's done. I, I, I think you're right. I think everybody has up the game. But I don't think it's necessarily just because Honda have come back in such force. I think it's just taken a little bit of time for people to, to realise what they could do and what they needed to do to make a competitive bike. Um, and it, I mean, what's not to like in the, the racing we saw at Philip Island? It's just fantastic stuff. Yeah, I think I'm going to do a table this year of the best races and I'll update it as we go through the season. For me, I'd say the best race of the weekend was probably the first one because it was the excitement of the first race of a season. You had the reigning world champion failing to score. Nothing against Jonathan Ray, obviously. But from the title point of view, the championship point of view, it makes it very interesting, doesn't it? When the guy who's dominated everything so many times hasn't scored, but it's great that he's come back and got two podiums. Well, I mean, regardless of that, I think you're dead right. I think it, it was, the anticipation was more for the first race. It was good to see that as the first race. For me, probably more in terms of really close, there was close action throughout the whole weekend yeah. in all three superbike races. But I think, probably race two or the last race of the weekend more bumping more boring That's more true. excitement That's more true. people on the grass yeah. more arms waved yeah you know so i think that was probably the one for me we've seen two almost unbelievable saves defying the laws of physics this weekend jonathan ray across the gravel at the top of lukey heights when he got 
yep. that contact with Tom Sykes. Yep. And the jury's out on that one. Quite a lot of mixed opinions in the paddock and I online think they've as well. Between themselves now, anyway. Yeah, yeah, which is good, isn't it? They've yep. obviously had a chat um, last night, Saturday night. Uh, but even so, that's sorted out. But even so, what a recovery from Ray. And then Loris Bass this afternoon on the outside of Stoner Corner twice. Twice yeah, he's gone across the grass at high speed there. It was a little bit unlucky because the first time it was right on the outside. What he's trying to do at Stoner, which is a fifth gear left-hander full bore, tyre sliding at the rear, left-hander going into a heavy braking zone and then the slowest corner on the track, which is a Honda hairpin, a right-hander. He was trying to set up the outside line and get a good run round Stoner to put him on the inside and have a chance at going up the inside on the brakes into the hairpin. Yeah. Um, but he, he, the first incident when he was punted on the onto the grass, he was on the outside of, it was a third of the three riders. The inside riders sat up and then I think Alex Lowe's on the inside of him sat up as well and he was just punted off. The second time, he was on the outside trying to do the same thing to top rack Raz Gatlioglu and Toprak's bike gave problems and he sat up immediately in the corner, not knowing that Baz was there. They just shoved him so <laughs> wide, bouncing, yeah. bounced him across the gravel, then back onto the grass and looked like he was going to head for the airpin and wipe people out when he got there. But he, he saved it really well. I mean, his stickability uh, was incredible there. <laughs> stickability, yeah. Shame for Ten Carter, though. I thought they were going to get a podium this weekend. I really did. I mean, he could have even been in contention for the win in that one. Yeah, uh, and it was for a, a a fair amount of the race. What I would say is disappointing in terms of results, but I think they'll take a lot of positives away from yeah. Philip Island yeah. as a team. Yeah. The, uh, Tenkata are a really savvy team. We all know them from running the Honda, um, major Honda, their main Honda squad for years, but they're also really skilled tuners, uh, manufacturers of uh, aftermarket parts uh, and just clever, clever people who know how to put a bike together. And I think they'll they'll come away from Phillip Island thinking, you know what, we're on his way here. Quick thought for the riders who were unable to take part in some of the races this weekend. Leon Camier, first of all, that's a bit worrying, actually. I, I don't know quite how bad that is for Leon. I really hope they can get it sorted, but I think he's in a bit of a mess, isn't he, with that left shoulder and the tendons and the ligaments and the damage there? Yeah, um, he, he's had a couple of three operations on it as far as I know and he keeps knocking it up and that's unfortunate it happens in racing mm. um, and now he knows that he's got to have a little bit of time off and let it heal because if he doesn't it's never going to get right really problematic joint to hurt is your shoulder it once one of them that once you've knocked it properly it never seems to be yeah, right yeah you know. Garrett Gerloff Eugene Laverty, they both suffered concussion earlier on this morning. Laverty, as uh, our colleague Charlie Hiscock was saying, they sort of come over the hill, don't they, from Lukey Heights down to yeah. the hairpin. And it looks quite slow, but it just shows you when they come up how quick they No, it's going. not. You're, you're, you're going over Lukey Heights, uh, fourth gear. Yeah, so yeah. that is third gear on some bikes, depending on your gearing. Uh, but that is, well, it's 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And then you're breaking down to perhaps about, maybe 45 miles an hour and down through the box. But you over Lukey Heights, you've not got a lot of weight on the bike because you're going over a big crest. You're turning left hard, and then you've got to stop the bike and turn it right. Uh, and there's not a lot of time to get your braking done. And he got it just slightly wrong, and it didn't half slam him down on the ground. Gerloff, of course, the other one. Oh, First okay. of all, yeah, really. What a great debut this weekend, generally. Yeah. Uh, really strong. First time at Phillip Island. 
Les Pearson actually was saying to me that all the free practice one sessions on a Friday morning this year, they're not going to do anything on the setup. They're going to keep it exactly the same because that's going to be all about learning the circuits for Garrett. But he was harpooned, wasn't he, at the hairpin this morning by Sandro Cortese. Yes. Missed his breaking point. But that yep. was a really, really nasty looking accident. It was. Um, it, it, it's always the case. When you get punted by somebody, it's always you that comes off worse, not the person who punched you. Yeah. Or generally the case anyway. Uh, so he's really unlucky, concussed, airlifted to Melbourne Hospital. Uh, that you, you can't read anything into. When somebody's airlifted from a British circuit, you always think, oh, no, that's going to be a bad one if they've had to airlift him. But mm. actually, at Phillip Island, because it's so far away from Melbourne Hospital, the nearest big major hospital, it's just easier uh, yeah. to, to airlift him. It's a lot quicker flight because they can go straight over the bay. And they can be there in, in sort of 10 minutes. Yeah, um, Alfred Hospital in Melbourne, isn't yep. it? Yep, so unlucky for, for Gerloff. Uh, he's been impressing, particularly in the wet. But he's got a lot of learning to do this year. This isn't the only circuit he hasn't been to. He hasn't been to any of them. Yeah, and that's going to be a big challenge. Because yeah, the only is, ones yeah. he's going to know now are from a little bit of testing are Jerez and Aragon and Portimao. But yeah, certainly he hadn't even set foot on a European circuit until he went to Aragon for testing in November. Back in a minute then with uh, James, and we'll go through a few of the tweets you've been sending in. Thanks for those to Jim Witt 69 and Greg Haynes TV. But first of all, let's just catch up on what's happened with British Superbike testing because they are this week in Jerez, but last week at Monte Blanco in Spain. And I caught up with Motorcycle News sport reporter, Josh Close, who was there to get the latest from British Superbike testing. So, Josh, where do we start? Ryan Vickers, maybe, because he, I reckon, is a real showdown contender, isn't he, this year? He's on the Lee Heidi Racing RAF regular and reserves Kawasaki. Learning year last year, a bit unlucky with some injuries, but looking good, I think, in testing. Yeah, you're absolutely right there. Um, Ryan Vickers definitely caught the eye of myself and a lot of other riders in the paddock. Um, he finished third overall on the last day, but he was actually in the top six all three days at Monte Blanco. And you, the difference was between him and a lot of others is they were focused on long race runs and they were not having any problems with their tyres. So he told me um, towards the end of the second day that he was having no problem at all on the tyres and at the same time, even though he wasn't trying for a lot of time, he was still finding it. Right, that's interesting, isn't it? So they were pushing for race runs, but he's ended up putting a good lap time in anyway. I mean, what was he, a tenth or so? Yeah, just a tenth down, wasn't he, on Tommy Bridewell who topped the session? Yeah, he was on the. Uh, he was chasing down the Ducatis all three days, really, and he, you know, he feels really comfortable on the bike. Is happy to be in that team for a second season, and he just he told me he really understands the feeling of the Kawasaki now. So when they make changes to the bike, he can then see that immediately when he goes out. So the connection is definitely there for the second season. Right. Okay. Nice. So well, that's exciting. I reckon he's going to be in the showdown. Let's see. Obviously, Ryan Vickers. Had some nasty incidents last year. He had a crash at Donington. He had a crash at Brands Hatch as well. And incidentally, some modifications at Brands Hatch over the winter with the barriers moved back at Clearways and a few other modifications at Cadwell Park as well. Um, okay, that's Vickers then. That's going to be interesting this year. He's definitely one to watch. A lot of people though, Josh, for obvious reasons, talking about Storm Stacy with GR Motorsport, the youngest ever BSB rider. He's only going to be 16 years old when they line up at Silverstone. Yeah, and what a story that is, you know, before... A race even starts to be 16 years old in the BSB paddock is, is quite something. But um, I think he's going about it in the right way as well. Um, he finished the test, uh, you know, only 1.7 off 
uh, Tommy Bridewell's time. But um, I was out on the track during the day. I was between turn two and three, I think it was. And Storm Stacey was actually there uh, watching the other riders go around because he was having a problem at that turn. Um, I think he was telling me he kept hitting the same bump over and over and he couldn't work out why. So he'd actually taken the time to go down there, watch the other riders and learn. So that's already a really positive sign that he wants to learn. He wants to do this in the right way instead of pushing too hard. And does it seem when he was chatting with you there on the service road at the side of the track that he, you know, he can recognize what people are doing differently and then apply that himself when he's next back on the track? Yeah, it certainly seemed that way to me. I mean, he was pointing and showing me things whilst I was stood there saying, that's what he's doing different. That's what he's doing right. And I'm not. So he seems like he's got, you know, it's a clever head. He knows what he's doing here and he's not going to try and over impress and make a mistake and hurt himself. Because, of course, that's a big risk for a 16 year old going into BSB. Yeah, and I suppose the big thing there with him and with uh, Brent Gladwin, who obviously heads up the team, there's no expectation as such, is there? It's not like people are expecting them to roll up at the first race and win the thing or, you know, even be on the podium. I guess a points finish is going to be more than acceptable at the moment. It's just all about learning this year. Yeah, yeah, it's all about being in that mindset. And as you say, yeah, they're not a team that constant, consistently challenge, you know, the top six or anything like that. So he knows that he can just take his time, build up his confidence, learn the tracks on the superbike, and then take things from there. Because, you know, he's 16, there's a, a good few years ahead of him yet. Yeah, you think so, wouldn't you? That's really exciting, actually, to see what happens. And we saw some good 16-year-old performances in Australia as well, didn't we? this weekend with uh, Jan and Ju and people like that in World Supersport. So lots of young talent up and coming. Uh, what else grabs your attention, Josh? Anything else? Any other particular teams or riders who you thought, oh, I better watch them this year? Um, yeah, there's, say, there's a lot going on. Um, everybody was you know, really excited to be back, trying out new bikes, new parts. Um, one team in particular was the uh, Rich Energy OMG Racing team. They switched from Suzuki to BMW this year. Um, they've kept Luke Mossy on and Hector Barbara has also joined the team and now those two were in the top five and very close to each other in pretty much every session um, so that's already a positive start for those two and speaking to Luke Mossy already I think I spoke to him on day one and he told me already that he felt so much better on the BMW and that it was essentially better in every way to the Suzuki but in a good way right okay that's interesting. Well, we know what a good chassis that bike is, don't we? How well it turns. They say the same in world superbikes, don't they? That's, I think, I don't know what you reckon, Josh, but to me, that's always a good sign. I know it's only testing, but when you've got the two teammates so closely matched, you have to think they are getting the most out of that package, don't you? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, they were both really happy with it. Hector Barber, especially because, you know, he was on the Kawasaki last season, but it was never really his bike. He was telling me and he felt uncomfortable on that because he couldn't find his setup whereas now with the bmw already he feels he's at that point he loves the engine um and he says it's an easier bike to ride which is really interesting but i'm sure those two will certainly be pushing each other on this year which always helps the team out and what's it like at monte blanco i've actually never been to monte blanco is it quite an easy place to get to and also how was the weather over the few days there yeah it's a really interesting one actually and the monte blanco circuit is uh kind of almost in the middle of nowhere, really, probably about 45 minutes away from Seville. Quite hard to find, but um, once you get there, you know, it's just... Do I get the, do I get the thing you may have got lost? <laughs> it's, 
Yes, we uh, on the day one, uh, we did get a little bit lost. The uh, signs to the circuit took us the, away from the circuit instead of towards it. Oh, that is classic Spanish road signs, isn't it? It is. We ended up actually picking up a local guy from the village and he, he guided us there in our car. Oh, that's nice of him. Yeah, once we got there, it was um, the weather was strange. You know, in the mornings, it was quite cold. Then it would eventually heat up. After lunch in particular, it was really hot. Um, but then... It, if we got to around five, six o'clock, it dropped back down again. So, yeah, it's a really interesting one for the teams and riders to pick the ideal time to go out because it's either too cold or too hot at some times of the day. Right, okay. Um, but, yeah, a lot of the teams are actually a bit disappointed because the track surface is a lot different to the BSB tracks. So some of the tyres were only lasting three to five laps before they were burning out. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it, really? Only three to five laps. So is that what's due to, yeah, as you say, track conditions more than weather conditions probably this time? Yeah, I'd say, uh, yeah, the track almost gave instant grip. But then as they, you know, did a few more laps, it was too much grip. So there was none left and burnt the tyres out. Um, I'd say only Ryan Vickers was really telling me that they could do long race runs, which was interesting. Yeah, so they were obviously finding something where nobody else was by the sounds of it. That's quite interesting to find out what Ryan and Lee Hardy were doing there. Obviously, Ducati's leading the way. Josh Brooks, you have to feel, is the favourite this year with the newly named Vision Track Ducati, of course. It was B Wiser last year, Vision Track this year. That's Paul Bird's team. But it's actually Tommy Bridewell who led the way on the Oxford Racing Ducati. Steve Moore's team, 136.7 was the lap time. I suppose, though, Josh, with respect to those guys, you've got to think that Ducati's are going to be up there. The Yamahas of Taz McKenzie and the fully recovered Jason Halloran are going to be up there. What about the Kawasaki, though? The Massingbird Mundi Kawasaki, FS3 running the official team now. Danny Buchan, they're certainly pushing for him to be a title contender this year. And from what you've told me just before we started recording this, sounds like he's actually very confident. Yeah, that's right. I um, I definitely wouldn't rule Danny Buchan out this year. Um, you know, he was obviously the closest challenger last year anyway to the Ducati riders. Um, but he he's yeah, in a, he's true. in a really you know good place now. Not only with the bike, but with himself as a rider. You know, he's you know he's telling me he's kind of evolved, if you like, and he's able to work with his crew chief and his mechanics on work explaining different parts of the bike and what he wants to see improved and things like that. So, and he was telling me the bike is more of an evolution, just building on the little bits that they were missing on last year. Um, and he has a teammate this year, which they, he was very happy about. So they can obviously push each other and share data and that kind of thing. Yeah, Lee Jackson, of course, stepping up from Superstock. Yeah, that's going to be interesting, isn't it? They're trying to do with Lee Jackson what uh, Nigel Snook and Darren Fry and the FS3 team have done um, with Buchan. And it's obviously worked with Buchan, hasn't it? And I think Darren Fry was down there, wasn't he? I'm not sure if Nigel was there, but Darren Fry was there. Uh, yes, Darren was there. Um, I spoke to him for uh, briefly as well and his you know, he's really happy with the team and how they're building up together. You know, stability is key, not only in BSB, but all, you know, team sports to be within the same setup year on year. It really helps the riders out because they can come into a new season and, you know, they're ready to go. There's no learning process as such. Yeah, there's loads to look forward to in BSB this year. We've got the new look British Talent Cup as well, so we'll keep an eye on that. Um, I reckon British Supersport's going to be very close with a lot of those 
old Moto3, the Motorstar ride, is now in the GP2 category there, which, of course, races in the same race as British Supersport. What about you, though, Josh? Obviously, you're the sports editor now with MCN. Um, it sounds like you are absolutely nonstop. You're covering MotoGP, BSB, World Superbikes, the roads. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot more. You must be very, very busy. Yeah, man of all trades right now. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that sounds like in Monty Blanco's obviously working with the BSB guys and at the same time putting stuff together for MotoGP preview. So stay tuned online. You're on Twitter as well, aren't you, Josh? I guess you'll be putting some of the updates on there. Uh, yes, absolutely will be. Um, at Josh Close 7, uh, if you want to give me a follow. But um, yeah, I'll be keeping up to date with not only the MotoGP, but you know the World Superbike. British Superbike and the roads, of course, as well. There we go then. Josh Close 7 on Twitter. Thanks for that, Josh. It's been a pleasure and uh, excitement with BSB. And just quickly before you go, as I said before, there is testing continuing, of course, now. They're in Hereth right now. Yes, they've got a two-day test at Hereth. I think the last time I checked, actually, just before we came on air, that um, it was Tommy Bridewell up at the front again, um, which is promising for him. Obviously, Hereth is a completely different circuit to Monte Blanco, um, Grand Prix circuit. So it'll be interesting to see how the final day goes. Josh, thanks very much for that. And we will speak with you very soon. Cheers. Thank you very much. See you soon. Thanks again to Josh Close there from MCN. BSB, of course, will be starting at Silverstone in a few weeks' time. Right, winners and losers then of the Phillip Island weekend. <sighs> Disappointments for me, and I don't want to start with a negative, but the f- Charles Davis was an initial disappointment, but it looked much better this afternoon in the long race. BMW have been a little bit on the back foot, I feel. And Federico Caracasulo had a bit of a messy weekend as well, didn't he? Uh, yeah, Caracasulo had a really unlucky weekend. A uh, couple of incidents his fault, a couple not his fault. Uh, I mean, getting, getting uh, sideswiped and your airbag suit going off when you didn't even crash is unlucky uh not his fault uh, so he was yeah he was a kind of big loser this weekend through no fault of his own mostly for those of you who don't know by the way that was the collision he had when jonathan ray was yeah. charging through the pack in race one it was a hell of a hit wasn't it it was a big hit uh straight in the side of him at the under airpin uh, it was such a hit that the airbag suit didn't know what it was doing and figured out he was crashing so that means his, his arms would have been he locked move yeah yeah he's just stuck <laughs> wouldn't have been able to turn in for siberia in a dummy position yeah. um Disappointed for, um, yeah, the BMs and particularly uh, Tom Sykes because Tom looked like he could run right at the front. Big tyre issue. He'd chosen a tyre that just didn't work in the first race um, and, and just never really got going in the other two races considering it was on pole mm. after the Super Bowl session. And... Um, Looked like he could he could be right at the point. Then I don't know what went on. I'm sure we'll find out in the fullness of time. Um, really disappointed for the riders who couldn't take part. Um, but overall, I think it was a winning weekend for most people concerned. It was brilliant, brilliant racing, and for the championship, it, it couldn't get any better. Moment of the weekend for you? I think moment of the weekend for me was the very end of the first superbike race. Four of them going over the line together within about what? I don't know what was a, a, a way less than a second. Anyway. Yeah, it was the second closest finish in World Ever. Championship history. Um, yeah. yeah, the first one was Monza 97, I think we said, didn't we? Yeah. Um, and the fifth closest finish between the top two, seven thousandths of a second. There was another good moment in that race as well, wasn't there, at the Southern Loop when, was it Vandermark? 
Somebody was it? I'm trying to think if it was now. I think it was somebody got sandwiched between. I don't know if it was Lowe's between the two Yamahas or Vandermark in the middle there, but there was such a squish going on. Yeah, <laughs> but there was loads of that. I mean, there was just yeah. tons of that. Reading had a very good debut as well. And it, I know Philip Island is, as we keep saying it, not a gauge for the season ahead, James, but you already feel that Scott Reading is playing the percentages game and, yeah, and, and banking those points. Yeah, Reading knows he can ride the bike. He's got to learn how to uh, manage the tyres a little bit better, in his own words. Um he knows most of the circuits, clearly gets on well with the team, clearly enjoying himself. So, yeah, brilliant start to the season for him. A few tweets then. Ryan Lilly. Hi, Ryan. I don't think I'll get over that. Back in, into Siberia. And he's talking about Toprak, the way he backed it into Siberia. He makes all sorts of shapes with the bikes he rides, doesn't he, Toprak? And incidentally, amazingly, he's become the first rider ever to have won a race on a Kawasaki and on a Yamaha. But he just seems to find the space. We talked about it in commentary, didn't we? Very, very yeah, rarely touches I, people. I think even more so with the Yamaha. It, I know we haven't seen much of him on the Yamaha yet, and things could change, but he looks like he can ride the bike to his and the bike's limit without going over the limit, if you know what I mean. It, it looks out of shape at times, but doesn't run wide much, doesn't hit people much, finds space where there isn't much space. I'm really, really impressed with Toprak. Seems to have a, a real sense of where he is in the race and where people are around him as I've got to say does um, Scott Redding got a, a, a sort of sixth sense for that one of my favourite tweets of the weekend was from David Greaves who uh, tweeted us uh, overnight actually between Saturday and Sunday I can't tell you just how much I want him to win he's actually talking about Tom Sykes when you see people shouting at the telly when the football's on that's me with the bike racing sat on the edge of the city come on lad come on and then he's dropped back again with a, a I'm laughing assuming, emoticon. I'm assuming he's a Yorkshireman. I would imagine it. It sounds like it. It sounds yeah. like you almost, doesn't it? Come on, yeah, lad, yeah, come on. Does, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was an amazing, uh, an amusing one there. Uh, there's been so much enthusiasm, though, hasn't there, on Twitter across the weekend. A lot of people, of course, back in Europe waking up or staying up very, very early. Um, but we needed that variety, didn't we? I'm just wondering now, as we look ahead to Qatar in two weeks' time, are we going to have a similar pattern? Because the Ducati was making everybody look like they were standing still on that straight, wasn't it, at the end of last year? Yeah, but do you know what? That might be a good thing. That Maybe. Might, that might make it uh, even closer because the Honda, we know the Honda's going to be quick. We know the Honda is at the beginning of its development and probably not the best thing to ride as yet. Uh, so that might just help Alvaro Bautista and uh, Leon Haslam. Um, I, I think... I'm looking forward to to Qatar and thinking this is going to be another good one. What about World Supersport? Is this going to be a walk in the park for Locatelli this year? Because he's what, come he's, in. I mean, that was so impressive, remarkable. I mean, nobody's been anywhere near him in any of the sessions, any of the qualifying or the race. He just cleared off. Talking of disappointments, by the way. Sorry to sound a little bit negative here, but uh, that was a bit of a disappointment. Randy Krimenacker, wasn't it? World champion throws it down the road. But a weird situation. They did seem to hold them on the grid for a long time. Yeah, they held them on the grid for the maximum. It's between... Uh, they can bring the starters orders for between two and five seconds, as you said quite rightly. Um, it was at least five seconds, in my opinion, or <laughs> it was five seconds. we we'll have to count that. I'll tell you what, when you're sat there with your engine revving against the... the Rev limit, yeah. That five seconds is it a long time? I bet, yeah. It feels a long time, and and yeah, it, it went and then stopped and then went again. It was a scrappy start for him that put him on the back foot. The start wasn't even good, even though he went, he'd stopped by the time everybody else went. So it was a bad start and an edgy one as far as 
if it was going to get a penalty, he must have felt that. Went into turn one, too quick, panicked, got out wide on the dirt and went down. Unusual, he's not a crasher, isn't Randy? Um, but yeah, really bad start to his campaign. Quick word from you on BSB, because I'm sure people will be interested to hear your opinions this year. I'm just going to throw a few people in there. Obviously, we heard from Josh just before there. Yep. Uh, Storm Stacey, first of all. Yep. Very young guy. He's going to be the youngest ever rider to start at a BSB 16, race yep. at 16. Yep. Um, loads of puns going around about can he can he weather the storm and all the rest of it on yep. Twitter, which is all very amusing. Great stuff there. But what should we expect from him this year? And also, what should he actually be expecting? Because I'm guessing it's a, it's a learning year, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's going to be a learning year. Um, he's, he's, he's risen through the ranks pretty quickly. The team, and this is Brent Gladwin's team based up there in Sheffield, they were going to have him on a stock thou. Uh, but then the way things happened and they lost a sponsor and then got another one and they thought they'd give Storm a tryout on the superbike and this is in Spain. He went really, really well. Didn't go sort of quickest, but he went quicker than they thought he would and thought they'd give him a chance. He wants to do it and um, they don't have too much uh, pressure put on him. Uh, they said that if he can score a couple of points, uh, you know, early on in the championship and maybe get a couple of top tens towards the end, he'd be more than happy. Um, they understand that he's a, he's a young man at the very beginning of a what could be a, a really decent career. But, he, yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a talented kid, I think he's Tom Stacey. And do you agree, as we said before, that Josh Brooks has got to be the favourite going into the championship at this stage? For me, yeah. Yeah, 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 he has. Um, yeah, I don't think he's going to get his get it all his own way, but for me, he probably starts as just about the favourite, yeah. Christian Eden's obviously got a really good opportunity Eden, this Eden, year. Yeah, it has been in the championship a long time. Uh, been on the BMW for a long time. Needed a change. He's been a little bit lucky in that he has managed to throw his leg over the what you would consider the best bike in the championship and become um, Josh Brooks's teammate at the PBM on the PBM Ducati. The plum ride. I mean, he got the ride yeah. that everybody wanted. Yeah, and. I'm a really good mate of Christian's. I really rate Christian, uh, but this is the year he's got to perform. Thanks very much, James. Been a pleasure across the weekend. By the way, special thanks from me to all of the Full Throttle team back in Chiswick. Marcus, Dan, Pete, you're all tops. Pete in particular, Pete Burton on the uh, Eurosport team actually did a bit of work for us while he was on holiday in the States the other day, James, because we had a bit of a technical problem. So uh, thanks very much for that, Pete. And don't forget, everyone, to subscribe if you can to the podcast and you can listen back to the archive of podcasts over the last two years as well on all your favourite platforms. James Whittam, we've had Australia. Qatar's next. What's happening for you between now and then? Usual stuff for me. Back to Yorkshire. Uh, see if the house has uh, been washed away. Um, because <laughs> yeah, we're now we've had, honestly, we've had it. And that, I mean, I'm, I'm having a bit of a laugh with that, but it isn't funny. We've had, no, a, no. Um, we've had a, a real lot of, some people have had uh, it yeah, a terrible, lot worse terrible. than us. Everybody's had it, had it fairly up and, and, and other places in the country. So uh, yeah, th thoughts to going on at the moment, isn't it? Over yeah, there? yeah, yeah. So, so thoughts to, to everybody who's had issues with the horrendous weather we've been having back in the UK. Uh, other than that, getting ready for ready for Qatar, really, and then and looking forward to it. Yep, thanks very much for that. Thanks to Charlie Hiscott as well. If you were watching on the programme across the weekend, good job there, Charles, with the grid walks. And James, I'll see you again then in a commentary box in two weeks' time. Thanks for listening to Full Throttle. We will be back next Monday as we continue to get excited about motorbikes. But from James Whittam and Greg Haynes, bye for now.